This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I am doing good. Listen, I'm on dad duty tonight. Uh, I, I have the night shift tonight, so if I have to you know, step out or, or do some feedings or change some diapers, I'm going to keep my microphone with me. We'll keep rolling, but just bear with me as Trent you know, just starts chugging his wine from the bottle uh you know that's that's how we're that's how tonight's gonna go uh so mike how long you've been a dad now it's been pretty much exactly a month and you've got it all figured out now in a month right like this is that's what i'm saying that might as well have been a year right yeah i'll have the microphone in one hand my glass of wine you know probably squeezed in that hand changing the diaper in the other it'll be fine i'm not worried about not worried about the podcast tonight and as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, boys. I'm drinking wine out of the bottle because I got means to celebrate. I mean, I feel like 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 we didn't go anywhere, but we're back. I mean, we released a dope interview with Devin Allen last week. We have another sick interview coming out soon. There's big time track on the television again that we're getting excited for. And I'm talking to you bozos regularly again. There was kind of a weird stretch there. We didn't see each other. I just feel like... Peak too early is back. Nothing went anywhere, but we're, we're back, back. And, and something happened today, or not today, a couple of days ago, really, that really means I'm back. But I, uh, a long time ago, I, I was a, a paper-handed little B-word and sold some game stock. stock and I just put a little buy order in, <laughs> in case no the stock way. price kind of came crashing down. And, uh, and little did I know, uh, that day it would happen. And so I'm back. I have GameStop stock again. I am free in. It's just Diamond Hands Trent is back. Hands is throwing. Let's go. So, you know, so there's, there was a time in my life where I probably checked the GameStop price, like where it was at, somewhere between 15 and 20 times a day. This was like for at least a month. I haven't, I haven't checked where it's at in, I would say, like six months. So it could be anywhere from like, 10 cents to $700 and I would probably believe you. We're, we're sitting at about 105 right now and we got a little bit of a different strategy. So, so I'm not putting any more money than the money that was kind of like uh, left to, to disappear from the get-go. I put a bunch in, I lost most of it and that little bit I had left, now, now all of a sudden I'm back in because of like a long-term buy order I had in case it came down. So now I'm just playing with that. I'm trying to do a little day trading with it. Like I do a little sell, a little buy, you know, if it comes back down, dipping it. So I'm just kind of messing around with it. But boys, does it feel good to have GameStop back in my life again? Listen, Trent, I'm all, I'm all for talking some day trading here, but day trading these like fake meme stocks is not the way to go. It's no. that, 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 that's how you get in trouble. It is the way to go because it is just a constant roller coaster. Like you know, so you, so you it, can't predict it. You can't. It's not based on. It's not based on like real on, on like what's actually happening in the economy. It's just no. based on. <laughs> you just you just sell low, buy high. Like I'm sorry, you buy <laughs> buy low, sell high. Not what I did the first time around. But if you <laughs> see that it's dipping, 
you know it's going to shoot right back up. And if it's shooting up, you know it's going to come back down. It still is like going like 10 to 15% a day. It's wild. Well, Stop giving away our secret strategy with the buy high, sell low. That's, I, thought, I thought I had that one under lock and key. Well, since, since this is turning into a finance podcast, uh, I officially, as of yesterday, I became a crypto bro. Whoa. No. Which yeah. one? Yeah, I, I made, I made a, a nice little investment in some Bitcoin. So when, uh, when the uh. apocalypse hits and uh, our, our, our economy crumbles as we know it and all that exists is cryptocurrency, I will have a foothold in the crypto game. Well, you made a, you made a crucial mistake there, Steve thinking that when we're in the uh, apocalypse, you're going to need Bitcoin. Smart guys like me know that you're going to need Dogecoin. So you probably <laughs> should have started there. Mike, Mike, do you own any Dogecoin? I, I went down. Have you owned any Do- Dogecoin? I, I have. I no longer do. I have freed myself from, from the shackles of Dogecoin. <laughs> Mike just talked about being excited about GameStop following that. I remember Mike just like presenting this. I don't even remember where the group was. But he basically said there's nothing more exhilarating than following the Dogecoin because it just <laughs> it goes was. all night for 24-7, seven days a week. Like, Steve, get ready for that ride. Like, stock market, you get to sign off at 5 o'clock or whatever. Like, Bitcoin, you're in on, like, Sunday at, like, 2 in the morning. You're just, like, watching that thing go up and yeah. down. Yeah, it's like, Do- it's like, it's is like, like Japanese, a... it's like Japanese table tennis. Exactly. You can always, you can always find a game. <laughs> it's like Argentina basketball at two in the morning when like every every other sport is done and you just need to find another game to bet on. That's exactly what the what the crypto game is like when when you're in the day trading. So I'm I'm like constantly dabbling with it a little bit because my gambling service that I use I use crypto to buy and to withdraw funds. So I need to put stuff in. Takes a fight. I'm always like getting a little. So I'm actually a Bitcoin cash guy. I find that to be a little bit more listen, of my personal listen. flavor to get in and out of the of the game. Trent, Trent, if I had known back, you know, in high school, if I had traded my Bovada uh, account in for Bitcoin back then, I'd be friggin' rich right now. So I fully support you you uh, transferring your your gambling winnings directly into Bitcoin. It, it's can, good to like let it come there and then just let it go up, you know, one percent. Look at that extra free money I made just let it sit in the Bitcoin. I'll never forget. I'll never forget, you know, cashing out on Bovada and being like, you can get a a check illegally mailed to your house, or you can, you know, trade this in for Bitcoin. And being like, what the fuck is Bitcoin? What kind of it, what kind of idiot would do that? And at the time, it was probably like you know, $200 of Bitcoin, man. I, I, yeah, that, 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 that's a big time mess by me. Bovada is one of the most interesting things on planet. Earth. They need to make a documentary about Bovada. Cause like it's, it's a lost art now with all of like the legal gambling and DraftKings and all that, you know, stuff going on. I'll tell you what, Mike, you haven't lived until you've gone into a bank trying to cash a check. Bovada. <laughs> like that is the most, exhilarate you think you feel like you're robbing the place like you feel like you're you're about to do some type of like illegal you know you know uh you know uh offshore bank account transaction when you go into a a bank with a bovada check well the mistake you made was being thinking you're a good enough gambler to withdraw from bovada i've never had that problem because i've never had to withdraw from bovada Listen, if, if I wasn't withdrawing and then having to put more money in immediately like a week later, 
I wouldn't get the thrill of having that crypto in between that little transfer portal in the crypto. So taking the money out, putting it back in is actually <laughs> more profitable for me than any of the gambling that I do. So I got a Bovada story. Do you want me to tell it? Yeah. Let's, let's, hear let's, it. Go, down. let's go down the deep, dark rabbit hole. Okay. So <laughs> I think it was Super Bowl 49. I had won a decent chunk of change on Bovada and I cashed out and I had a check mailed to my house. And uh, at the time I was traveling quite a bit for work and little did, I didn't know, I didn't know this at the time, but this, this, you know, the, the, you know, the delivery service kept coming to my house while I was away and my wife kept denying the package. She's like, I don't know where this is coming. Wait, this is coming from Malaysia. No, take this back. And she kept denying it. And I kept like, I was like on the phone with this, with Bovada yelling at them being like, no, don't charge me a fee to, to, to resend me a check. You haven't sent me the check. And, and, and the whole time, my wife is denying this package that contains a check with, with a lot of money in it. And uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my Bovada story. That's unbelievable. I mean, maybe we need to strike that from the, from the podcast. I don't know. If I don't. Be the podcast. I don't. I don't think so. I think Has your wife, does she know the story? Does she know? Well, in and just just for the IRS, I never got the check, so it's not oh, like yeah. I was able to. So so that money has disappeared forever because like they kept charging you a fee to issue a new check, and so to the point where I didn't have any money left in that account. So I never the the money was never is never in my possession. It was never cashed into my bank accounts. So for the IRS, just just yeah, that's Steve. on the record. We may need to cut this, but we have bigger IRS problems than your <laughs> your Bavada check from years ago. <laughs> How about the stuff, the, the the maybe potentially some of the money we bring into the podcast? Bleep that, so. Mike. Bleep that. Bleep that. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, no, that is all securely and smartly invested in Miller Coors yes. right now. Uh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Are we gonna tell them? So so listen. <laughs> I screw it, screw it. We're gonna tell. We'll tell. We'll, we'll, we're, we're gonna need some more wine for this podcast tonight. <laughs> so listen, listen, guys. You know, most of the money that we've made all the sell of t-shirts and races has been reinvested into the podcast. It just, you know, we don't make money off of this podcast necessarily, but the money is reinvested into it. We do have a little bit in a bank account. Well, not in a bank account. It wasn't a bank account. Um, we have made the wise decision to take all of the money that was in the bank account. It wasn't a ton, but it is currently invested in Miller Lite just because we're, you know, we're, we, 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 we practice what we preach here. We believe that, you know, the great tasting, less filling beer is the, uh, is, is where you should be investing your money. So it's, it's a foolproof strategy, Steve, because we are single-handedly, you know, skyrocketing our own investments. The more Miller Lite, the more Miller Lite you buy and drink, you are directly helping the Peak Toilet Podcast by raising our investments. And that that investment may or may not have been doubled on the uh, the Patriots Jets game earlier this season. Just, I mean, we're smart we're smart businessmen. That's just how it goes. That's right. Business savvy. <laughs> all but, right. But but then we might have lost it all, and that's why it wasn't reported to the IRS. So. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> uh anyways so that's yeah so thank you for everybody that's still listening to the podcast i mean listen this is this is a you know the 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 podcast with just the boys is for the two crew and if you don't appreciate the conversation we just have i don't know what to tell you i mean this is that that's some high quality podcasting right there but gentlemen i just came 
from Owen and Ollie's uh, pub and restaurant where I met with the owners, the manager, and we finalized the plans for the Irish Clover five miler on March 12th, Saturday, March 12th. It's ready to go. It's going to be back to it's back in person. There is a virtual option. So if you want to participate virtually, you're more than welcome to links in the Instagram bio, but it is going to be an in-person race and boys, the championship belt is back. It is back. The last time we gave out this championship belt was in the the uh, the peak too early two miler, the two mile race that we did in the summer of twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. Was it twenty 2020 twenty or twenty nineteen? Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Summer of, right. yeah. summer of twenty twenty. We 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 awarded the championship belt. I believe it went to uh, Brandon Allen on the men's side and Kara Cremines on the women's side. The the heavyweight champion of Two Crew Nation is going to be crowned on March 12th at Owen and Ollie's. The new heavyweight champion of Peak Two Early Nation, uh, Two Crew Nation, will be will be awarded the belt uh, at Owen and Ollie's. Like I said, uh, the winner of the five mile men's and female will be given this championship belt. This championship belt is badass. The last one was purple. This one is green. Um, I'm going to be posting some Instagram pictures and videos and stories about it this week so you'll be able to see it there but guys i am very jacked up about this race we are about six weeks away from it so if you want to participate if you're in the area so the winner is going to get the championship belt and a cash prize of a hundred dollars um this is going to be it's going to be a good time and it's the best after party around best post-race after party you can go to is that is that owen and always after the irish clover five mile there's no doubt about that that is a fact that is an absolute fact we wouldn't have it any other way uh and let me go get the belt you guys talk much so i want to show you the belt yeah i i can't remember so i think it was two years ago right this race was like the pretty much the last like social event before covid you know destroyed the world so i remember we threw like a huge bash probably a super spreader event uh were you at that one two years ago trent like the 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 covid kickoff I was not at the COVID kickoff, unfortunately. And then I feel like our first, like, one of our first, like, real social events, like, back from COVID, you know, the the first wave of COVID shutdown was the second party. So I feel like somehow, some way, the Irish Clover Five Mile or after party has found a way to, like, weave its way in and out of, like, quarantines and lockdowns. And we just, we find a way to, to, to make it happen. It was probably the last like real social event before the entire that's, world. That's what I was just saying. And it like found a way to like squeeze in the gap in between like the big waves. So we were able to have like a fun party last year too. So yeah. It, yeah it, I mean, we, we, we were able to like pull something together and you know, la- I mean, it was awesome. We had some people fly out for it. Shout out to, shout out to the two crew that came out and joined us, but it was like a, it was a virtual race that we did a small gathering for. Um, but two years ago it was it was one of the best uh, was a race parties i've ever been to and we're we're running it back this year so check check out this belt right here look at this bad boy look at that so we got the logo we got the irish clover five miler on there we got the uh the wild rover logo we got the mike running logo we got the uh the 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 irish clover logo stop p2e on it this is this is i mean this is, I mean, this is better than a trophy. I mean, name another road race that's doing this type of reward. 
you, you walk oh. around that after party with that belt oh around you on your shoulder you find a way to fasten it around your waist and my god you won't be buying a beer for the next two years of your life or even better than that trend right you come back you win this and then you come back to the irish oh, yeah. clover in like 10 years from now and you're out of shape and you're slow but you show up to the after party wearing a former championship belt you get treated like a king that that's that that's what you want the championship belt for so how, how much does that thing weigh steve oh it's 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 got a lot of heft to it i mean this thing is like i don't know like 15 pounds all right good i was gonna say even if it's not even if it's super light you need to walk around like it's the heaviest belt in in the world act like you know you're laboring carrying that thing around the bar but i'm happy to hear it's got a little no, weight to it. this this thing is legit this is like i i bought it from a company that makes them for like wrestling tournaments and boxing matches and stuff like that this is this is a legit i mean there's there's no expense spared on this championship belt it's the real deal holyfield so We'll see you at the Irish Clover. I mean, if you're in the area, you got to come out. It's it's going to be a ton of fun. Oh, also, I put it on the store. I put it on our Instagram story this afternoon. But this is just an offer for the two crews. So you either got to be listening to the podcast right now or following the, the peak too early Instagram. I'm putting out an offer from now until the Super Bowl, essentially. If you There's a promo code. So if you put in promo code TB12, capital T, capital B, one, two, you're going to get 12% off, off your race entry. So that's, you know what that is right there, boys? That's marketing. Expert that's marketing right there. Beautiful. So sign up. We'll see you out there. All right, Mike, why don't we, uh, why don't we kick off the running news? All right. So we are going to go into a deep dive here on the Melrose game, but I, I, I think maybe let's quickly touch upon this uh, this cross country race first because we're gonna go deep into the Melrose game. So Steve, you posted this on Twitter. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and say it, but I'm gonna butcher it. The the Sink Milani cross country course. I don't know if you haven't seen it. Go to our Twitter. But they run this cross country race where part of it they like throw mats down and it essentially goes through like what appears to be like an abandoned house or abandoned farmhouse. building farmhouse. And they go like up a staircase, absolute wild. This is completely upper alley. You know, obviously I don't want to spend all night talking about it, but when I saw it, I was like, this is something that needs to be discussed on the podcast. I love, I, I need more of this in cross country. The thing with cross country is you have, if you're putting together a race, you have the freedom to get as wild as you want with the course. It doesn't need to be a, uh, a, a rolling golf course, you know, you know, you know, extremely manicured lawn that's essentially a, a, a track meet out there. I want the wildest cross-country courses possible. Now, there's got to be places to open up and run fast, but if you throw in a staircase through a farmhouse, I'm all for it. I mean, I love the elements. I want – I mean, this is, this is essentially the green monster. It's the ivy at Wrigley Field. It's the, the hill that used to be in center field at, at Houston. You know, the reason I love baseball parks so much is because you can add in these fun little – 
quirks, these things that make your stadium unique and different. Let's think about cross country courses the same way. Let's add in those quirks. Let's ma- make them unique. Let's let's find the ways to make you know um, a cross country course you know uh, as epic as you know Fenway Park or something like that. Yeah, I, I say this uh, in the most like complimentary way possible. The the farmhouse part is like a, like an indie car course in there. Like you can't yeah. really pass anybody on some of these like sharp turns you're coming in and the surprise little doorway that you have to squeeze through. I mean, just imagine. I don't know. I was thinking picking out your spikes for this, right? You got your spikes that you want on the grass, and then you got to make sure they don't stick in like these old farm you know planks that are sticking out of the ground as you're trying to run through the house. So it just adds an element of excitement. I couldn't be more with anything, or I totally agree with everything that you said, Steve. It just makes it. it I don't see any downside whatsoever. It, it makes it fun. We are, we are now tweeting about it. We're watching the video of it because it, it brings an interesting element that we haven't seen before. Um, it, it's only fun and we just should see more of this. It, 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 Trent, the, the thing that you said about the single file made me think like, so the, the cross country course, Mike and I grew up racing on in high school, our home cross country course. It was super, it was a very quirky course. Um, and our coach, used to coach us to that course. And there was one spot on the course where you took a sharp turn and you needed to be single file. So um, he, we used to do workouts to be like, you need to, you need to win this portion of the race. Like you need, like this isn't a spot where you can let up, you gotta be, get to that corner first. And so that's kind of cool. You kind of get like this home field advantage, this course knowledge, which I, I think would be really cool in cross country. When, when you do your, your day before run, right? Everybody goes out there, they do their loop of the course. If you're out there kind of taking notes on it at that point, right? You're trying to figure out exactly where the surface can be and where they can't be. That adds such a fun element to it. So there's such like a fine line too, because Steve, I love the comparison you're making there with like the, the baseball fields. There's nothing I love more than like a unique quirky course. Now there, there is a fine line between like unique and quirky and just like being complete asshole. Like I, I remember, Trent, you remember uh, Franklin Pierce. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to bring up my senior year. Uh, Franklin Pierce just decided that they were going to change their course. They were hosting the conference championship meet that year and that year they had a completely different course this year they're just like you know what? we're going to change our course completely and they made this stupid ridiculous course that had this hill that was straight up and down i don't even know how long it was but it was impossible and they just like made you keep doing loops to that hill so the entire course was just going up this like hill that you felt like you had to like you know like rock climb up and it just like it, you could you couldn't race on it. It was it, it was absolutely ridiculous. It was more of like a Spartan race in the cross country. Yeah, race. But we're insane. watching at this Italian race is is real running. That was and it was unsafe too. That was the thing that really like you can't go you know bulldozing and down a hill that steep and like expect someone not to fall and smash your head on a rock. So that was stupid. Italians running the farmhouse. That's great. And not to mention it was the conference championship, right? Like so between us, Franklin Pierce and AIC. So Franklin Pierce was one of the teams that was competing for like the regional championship. And so the week before, like some of the best teams in the region, you know, arguably some of the best teams in D2 were about to, you know, try and go throughout championship season. They decided, oh, let's start off championship season, which is like the hardest, most impossible, ridiculous course anybody's ever seen. Let's beat the crap out of everybody's legs. And not to mention, they came in like fifth place. Like I think they did it to try and... Yeah, they tried to do it to like 
you know, give themselves an advantage and perhaps on they come in fifth place. So my point getting at this is like, there's a fine line between being unique and just being complete like loser about it and taking, you know, the away from, you know, the, the sport and the art of it. Um, my last point. No, you're, this. you're right. There, I just want to follow up on that. There, there's a difference between adding some like fun and different uniqueness to your course and, um, taking away from the spirit of the sport you know what i mean yeah you can even be like strategic like i don't mind you being strategic and having like your home course be difficult but like again when you're trying to be like the tough guy and like take it to the extreme level you're just ruining you're ruining the meat and the sport and like you said when you do that you better win if you're gonna have have a course be that hard Uh, my last point on the thing before we move on to melrose is there's nothing funnier to me than like the out of context out of place running outfits and for whatever reason that shot when they're going through the abandoned house just seeing a bunch of people in like singlets and short shorts it just looks so out of place and like weird so if you just like took a picture of that like a still frame of just a bunch of like you know dudes in short shorts like in this abandoned farmhouse it's a very funny very funny picture so that was my final thought on that all right, let's move on to the Melrose games. Gentlemen, do we want to start on the men's side or do we want to start on the women's side? Do you want to go in order of the meat order? Do you have do you happen to have that? I, I why don't I why don't I read off the events? Yeah, you, you go ahead. Let's let's do it. All right, let's let's talk about the 60 meter hurdles to start it off. So it's a good um, place to start, I'd say. All right, so our boy Devin Allen taking home the win. I mean, you know, Mike, do you, do you kind of have any notes to kind of kick off the, uh, the topics here? I would say that with the 60, it's uh, the peak too early bump. We've talked about it once before. He comes on the podcast one week. The next week, he's out there uh, winning the, the hurdles event at the Miller's game. Not a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I feel about that. I mean, with ease, the winning with ease. I mean, um, and, and I know that you guys are – quote unquote, not online. Um, but I want to test how offline you guys are in the post race, in the post race interview, he dropped a bing bong. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with that? That, that was my note that I wanted to bring up was what the hell was bing bong. So oh, no, I'm not yeah, familiar I, with bing bong. I, I, have, I am so, so like oblivious to this that I heard him say that. And I didn't even, it didn't even like, I just figured it was like an inside joke or something. I didn't even think about wondering what that was. So I know there's people listening that like know the history of like Bing Bong. I'm going to do my best here. So uh, there's this, there's this guy that does kind of like man on the street stuff. He, um, he, he does, I think he has a podcast or he does some type of YouTube channel or something. And his, he's from New York and his catchphrase is bing bong because that's the sound the subway makes when you get on and off the subway. That's like the tone it makes. It's like bing bong. And that's like kind of his, uh, his catchphrase. And so um, early on in the NBA season, the Knicks were doing well. And I don't know, Trent, I don't know if you remember, but people were like, New York was losing their mind. And they were like essentially like riding on the streets after every single win. I think they had a big win against the Celtics early on in the season. And after that, you know, somebody was getting interviewed 
and they dropped the bing bong and every and that kind of became the Knicks. So it was this guy's catchphrase, and then it kind of became the Knicks catchphrase, and then it took off on TikTok. And there's all these like bing bong sound bites. So it's kind of like this viral like trend that's associated with New York. So that, that's why it was funny. So I did well, my best to explain bing bong. I hope I as did. as our you know. NBA correspondent, Trent, the fact that you didn't have that on lockdown. I know you're not an online guy, but you are, you know, the official NBA guy of the Peak Twirly podcast. So that's a little disappointing. Yeah, but once Steve said TikTok, it was all over. There was no chance for me when it was a TikTok thing. So the, the Knicks were, the Knicks, they, they got out the, the gate hot this season. And like people were going nuts in the street after every single win. And since that, that bing bong, I, I actually saw something the other day since that, that guy got interviewed and said like bing bong on, uh, on the news, they are significantly below 500. So, so is there, is there a bing bong curse? Did Devin Allen just curse himself with the bing bong? Oh, I don't think, but, but it, 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 because it took off on like TikTok, TikTok and stuff like that, it very quickly got like distanced from the Knicks and just became like a funny online phrase. Did you realize or did anyone pick up on how clueless the uh, interviewer was like just as much as Mike and I was yeah, like, had no, no idea. I, I forget what the comment was, but it was basically like what he said. I think that's what it was. Like what like he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It, it, I thought it was hilarious. I knew exactly what he was saying, but I, I'm sure that there was a significant, uh, percentage of the track audience that had no freaking clue what you say <laughs> so we I'm, should I'm, give devin this is not something we got into in the interview we, we saved it for our next interview with devin he gets credit for his post race interviews for his his camera time the guy is always entertaining whether i know what bing bong means or not i just appreciate like that he's willing to to make jokes and stuff on that stage i was watching some highlights from the olympics and he's just got some funny stuff out there so shout out to devin for just like just being hilarious when he's on on TV. He's a great personality. I mean, we say it all the time. Like, yeah. if you're if you're good at this sport and you show the the just the tiniest bit of likable personality, you're gonna take off. And I mean, he's got he's very likable. He's got a great personality. He's he's entertaining. He's 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 articulate. So you know, a guy like that, you know, is, there's there's a reason why the fans of the sport is kind of latched onto him as kind of somebody they like to watch. I got to be honest, I'm a little, a little nervous about this bing bong curse, Trent. I'm a little nervous the bing, about the bing, bing bong, bong curse. curse. If a couple months down the line, Devin hits a cold streak, bing bong, we need to put bing bong in the grave or so. We need to do something, some kind of ceremony to get rid of this curse. I'm not saying he's cursed yet, but I'm officially on bing bong curse watch here. So let's, what, let's what put that on the, the other direction. What if it takes a, off? What if he becomes the best hurdler in the world? I'm making right. bing bong shirts. Okay. All right. That's a deal. So one way we're going to have to get some like, you know, the, the, I don't know, like fortune teller. I don't know. Somebody with, with uh, an ear to the spirits to remove the curse or we're making bing bong shirts. To, to remove the way. curse, you, you just have him on the podcast again. You get that pizza we bump and he's back. So I guess. It's, this is not a high consequence situation. I do I think we need to have him and like uh, somebody who's just like burning incense, 
Like we'll make it a double interview. Like we'll we'll remove the curse for him. You know, which doctor on the podcast? Yeah, if if it comes down to it, and we need to bring somebody on to remove the curse, I think that's what we'll do. Yeah, I I I uh, I, I do think now that I say it, I think since Bing Bong has taken off, the guy who originally said it has trademarked it, so it might be tough to put it on a shirt. But hey, listen, it's not the first. It's not our first trademark violation, so we'll we'll roll with it. We just spent the first like twenty minutes on the podcast talking about all of our illegal financial endeavors steve so <laughs> what's one more to add to that no it, it, it joking alleged <laughs> allegedly uh hey can we at the should we should we just stick in the sprints at this point and go right to the the 60 meter i think we have yeah, some very yeah. important very important mind. conversation um hey everybody i need everyone to listen up real quick Everybody over the last couple of years who's given us a hard time about our, our Coleman takes, uh, everybody who has, you know, dismissed the fact that America lost out on a medal, every, everybody who has hated on us for our Coleman takes, are you happy? Do you feel good about yourself now after watching that? You know, how, how do we feel now? How do we feel now? The man is back. He's still the best. What more do I have to say? What yeah. more do I have to say? It, I, I mean, get ready for the revenge tour. Get revenge ready. tour is on. Get ready for the revenge tour. This guy is, I mean, the guy's going for gold. I mean, and, you know, he's not going to eat any Chipotle burritos. He's going to be on time for his tests. I mean, get ready because uh, we have a lot of audio and video footage, uh, you know, to, 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 to prove that we were the only people backing this guy up a year and a half, two years ago. So when, when he's stepping on, when he's stepping on the line at the hundred meters in the, in the Olympics in a few years, I am sure the entire track community will be on his side. And all of a sudden Coleman will be like, you know, America's hero when he wins gold. I just hope he remembers who had his back from day one. And if we got to find a connection to this guy, because we got to send him our podcast from a year and a half ago, because he, he needs to know that we're, we're his guys. And this was like, not like a, you know, a tomato can or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like this was a very, very good Stacked field. Yeah. Bramel Baker. Like I know Lyles, like this is a pretty short distance for him, but like, those are some, pretty damn big you're not you can't really throw any bigger names biggest biggest names in the world to sprint say after and, after the olympics i feel like an expert in these events i look at the 100 meters here and i know just about everybody on the, right. the finishing list it's a good feeling but the 62 the 60 is pretty technical right like getting out of the 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 blocks like that so to be as rusty as he is and i think he got a little bit of a slow start and then just to come surging through like that like he's like you said steve that the revenge tour is here welcome back christian coleman it was just the best to see you out there again. With that said, I'll say it. The 60's too short. It's like... 60's a joke. <laughs> the hundred, the hundreds, you know, everyone loves the hundred. I don't know what it is about, you know, like that like small distance that makes it so much better. But like, there's no time for anything to develop in the 60. The 60's too short. But, I, I, but, I can't take it seriously. But, but you do get to launch yourself into yes. the padding on that's at the end true. of the track you don't get that in the hundred that's, that's true and that 
that that sets up for some pretty good moments. Once a year, you get a good moment with somebody getting like leveled by the padding. Do you remember the guy that disappeared into the padding? <laughs> oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> you also they have to like run up the like steep bank to the side of the track. You get That's people right. that just do like nose dives right into the side of the track too. Do not hate on the sixty meter sprints, Mike. Yeah, that's it's it. A, I'm, it's I'm, a gold. I am officially backing on the sixty. That's all it took. I'm backing. All right, where are we going next, Steve? Where are we going? Let's go. Next? Let's go to the men's eight hundred, Mike. All right, let me pull up my notes here for the eight hundred. Oh yeah, Bryce Hopple. So, if I, I think we've kind of touched on this before, but it's becoming like more and more of a reality the more it happens. At what point does Bryce Hopple become like the biggest villain in 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 the track and field world? Now I'm talking. I'm not talking like to the fans. I'm talking like within the track community because this dude just has never not waited to outkick somebody and he doesn't just outkick people like on the final home stretch he waits until the final like lean and he's done it since he was in college he's done it his entire career i'm pretty sure every race he's ever won which is a lot of freaking races he literally just out somebody at what point does like people just start hating him for the way he races and mike we we've talked about i think we had him on episode 19 which is over yeah. 120 episodes ago we've talked about it since he was in college that that is a, a skill. What, what he is able to do in the last 20, 30 meters of a race is a true skill. To be able to hold out that long and out lean people, I mean, we, 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 we compare it to, we've said it, every time we talk about this guy, we say he's got a nose for the finish line, and he just does. He knows how to win in the, at the end of the race. You got, Mike, I don't know if you caught this because you said you just kind of caught the clips of the race and you didn't get to watch the full broadcast. He he said something in the post-race interview that we didn't know. So he said, he said he got himself injured before the Olympics last year. He said he got out of the gates too hot and he was injured going into the Olympics. Nobody, he, this is the first time he has said that. Nobody knew that he was injured in the Olympics. And I think everybody was kind of like scratching their heads. It's like, man, I mean, we, we knew that uh, we knew Brazier was injured, but we're just like, man, what happened to, what happened to Hopple? You know, he just didn't look himself out there. Turns out he was injured. And I mean, I think he's proven that he's back and he, he's going to be smarter ramping up for the, for the next Olympics. So, you know, my first thought is, is, is Hopple's back. My second thought is, uh, he was in fact injured. And my third thought is, damn Bryce, I wish I knew that before I bet all this money on you to, to medal at the Olympics. I wish I had some, some sort of heads up to know that you were friggin' injured. His, his humility really screwed us over. And like, you know, again, I'm not trying to get us in any financial trouble here, but I feel like we're friendly enough with Bryce at this point that he could have given us just a little, yeah. little like nudge, like, Hey guys, just by the way, I know you're thinking about throwing down a, a huge sum of money on me in the Olympics. I Mike, have some we posted, information. We did a We did a, an emergency Instagram live to announce that he was plus 5,000 to win. Gold. Right. Oh my God. We, we did a whole bunch of stuff. We tagged him. He could have just sent us a quick DM being like, Hey boys, save your money i'm injured or and i know hey, he views our stuff cut, like you cut can your see. bet in half or something like that he views like all of our crap yeah so he's, he definitely I mean, he's, that. he's a genuine friend of the program <sighs> he, he's, 
Bryce. Come on, Bryce. What the hell, man? Bryce. Help a brother out. Bryce, Bryce, we still love you. Don't don't let these boys, you know, make you think anything different. Did you hear the other quote he had after to go to your point, Mike, about being maybe the the villain? He goes, "I knew I had it. It wasn't much of a race." He, and that's <laughs> like after he's behind on Cerrone there, like coming around. I don't know. He didn't. What he pass him with like 150 to go or something like that? Uh, it was pretty badass. I love the cockiness. I love the comments. But to your point, Mike, we may have we may have the villain of the 800. Um, the other point on this is even in the the damn you know new year we can't get uh, a brazier and hop on the same race together i was well, like this yeah, is just so more we're of gonna the, get the same there. shit so so and and, and i do i do want to say trent like i mean brazier is a badass right he's he's the baddest man he's one he's he's on pace to be the baddest man in the sport and watching brazier run you know i mean brazier is an amazing runner one of the best runners i've seen in the 800 in my life and um when he runs, he looks like he's he's grinding. He looks like he's laboring. He's got the shoulders going. He's got like the face. Hopple is the smoothest runner, one of the smoothest runners in a very aggressive, fast-paced event that I've ever seen. It is a treat watching Hopple run out there, just kind of glide along. And, and going into his kick, it doesn't look like he's picking up the pace. It doesn't look like he's grinding. He Everything is just a smooth glide. It is it is a it is fun to watch Hopple race. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let's just get into it now. I mean, the uh, I, I don't think like race wise, there's a bunch that we need to um, break down with the 400. But obviously, Brazier runs the 400, runs a personal best. His first race since the Olympic trials looks good, looks fast. But to me, the biggest takeaway was in the post game interview when he makes the comment saying something along the lines of, you know, that he wished that he had he ran the 800 on that day it's like uh yeah donovan we all do and the amount of times that those two have been at the same race together and it almost seems like purposeful that donovan avoids bryce because bryce always runs the 800 maybe sometimes a thousand here and there but for the most part bryce runs you can pencil him into the 800 it feels like donovan every time that they're at the meet together is dodging him and i don't want to say that's personal like purposeful but at what point do I have to start calling him out? Like, why, why do we keep avoiding these showdowns? Like, I want these showdowns every single time. And for you to sit there in the post-game interview and, like, I get it. Maybe it's, like, your coach is making the decisions for you. But to say that you wish you were in the 800, like, what, what, what are we doing here? I agree. The, the, the team you run for – all we do is preach about how like we don't time trial and you know, this is all about racing. Well then get on the track and race hopple. Like I'm going to say something I might regret one day, but I'm getting, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little fed up with Donovan. I'm getting a little fed up. I'm getting a little bit fed up and to like, he, he, Mike, I, I Mike, I, I'm getting a I, little fed up. I have it in my notes. This, I was gonna say this too. I and was like, listen. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I'm starting to get pissed off too because Hopple, like every single one of these meets we talk about, Hopple's in the 800 and Donovan's doing the six. He's doing the four. He's doing the thousand. Whatever. Hopple's Hopple's doing his thing. Get on the track. Go toe to toe with this guy. We should have. We should be able to count on a Hopple Brazier matchup on a regular basis throughout the indoor season, heading into the outdoor season. And guess what? It's only going to make 
both of those guys better. It's only going to make USA track and field better. You know, putting this off on a monthly basis isn't helping anybody, and it's not fun to watch. And there is no podcast on planet Earth. There's no media source, no program, no nothing that has done more Donovan Brazier tongue bathing than this one right here. The amount of times that the words have come out of my mouth that he is that I believe he is already the best 800 meter runner that's ever lived. Like we have showed this guy nothing, nothing but like complete, like the biggest praise in the world. But like his like cocky attitude that I've loved for so long, it's starting to wear, it's starting to wear on me a little bit. And it's like, first of all, you need to race these guys. And second of all, I know you're this good and you're this like amazing, but I hate to break it to you. There's no gold hanging on your wall yet. Like, like it, I know there will be, I know your trophy case will be filled with them, but let's stop acting like that's already happened. Right? Like nothing has been given yet. So I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm out. I'm just a little frustrated and I'm, I'm, my patience is wearing thin with Donovan Brazier. I'm on, I'm on. Trent's cringing. Trent's cringing. And I want to hear his, I want to hear his rebuttal. I'm just going to say one more thing on this matter. One guy has been part of the two crew since day one. The other guy has stood this podcast up multiple times. That's all I'm going to say. I don't have anything really to disagree with you guys on. I'm just, First off, Dunn Brazier has been on the podcast. We had an exclusive that interview. That is true. That is true. <laughs> so let's yes. not forget about that. But we, we were, we're getting mad at Bryce because he, he you know, didn't tip us off that we shouldn't bet on him before the Olympics. We're getting mad at Donovan because he's not showing up in these races and right now. And we're just going to piss off the two greatest 800 runners, like a generational crop of 800 runners that we have right now. And now we're just going to walk away from this podcast. No, my- so. My, my shots at Bryce were in, in good fun and, like, you know, buddies ragging on each other. My frustration with Donovan is, is like, that's a little bit more real. But me, listen, Trent, Bryce knows. Like, that's my guy. We, you know, we rag on each other all the time. I'm not worried about, you know, rustling his feathers a little bit. So don't, don't worry about that. Listen, I just don't want to be showing up to, like, high school track meets trying to find an 800-meter runner to interview. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all righty where, where are we going next steve let's go to let's go to the let's let's quickly go through the women's 3k and then on to the men's 3k i think i think there's some some big news from the women's 3k but i don't think there's a ton to break down there but unless you guys have something different i mean women's 3k the uh the the first headline is obvious if you if, if you want to look for winners, if you want to look for, you know, a, a big meet such as the, the Milrose games and find out like, oh, I wonder who won these races. Look no further than the Peak Too Early podcast and the friends of the program. And to be honest, Wisconsin track and field, Alicia Monson. She's a beast. She's a beast. And she takes down Whiny Kaladi, who, you know, she knows quite well um and gets done it's just fun like looking through this list too and you find this in a lot of these races but you have these like a lot of like rookie and like second year pros it's fun looking at these results lists where it's like 
the top 10, like most of them are people that we've been following and watching in the NCAA world now. It's just like now all these big pro meets, it's fun to see littered with these huge names that we've been following for a few years now. But Alicia, I mean, getting it done, taking the win, got to love it. And I didn't mean to discredit what Alicia did. It was more of just like, she's, she's a monster, right? She's a beast. Uh, the, like you said, the matchup between uh, Monson and Kaladi is one that we've seen many times. And she's now, she's, she's got the, the 3k at Milrose games two years in a row. I mean, this, the reason there's not a lot of talk about it is because she just dominated from start to finish. And she's just, uh, she's just a monster in this event. And was- at the, at the top of the uh, results here, sorry, I cut you off there, Trump. I just wanted to point out one more thing. They put those little icons, and she's got four next to her time. She's got world lead, meet record, facility record, personal best. I mean, that's a pretty good day. Nice job, Mike. I was gonna, I was gonna quiz you there to see if you get all four abbreviations or were you acronyms, actually? But... Is that what you're about to say? No, no, no. That's not what I said. When you brought it up, I was like, it might take me a second to go through it. Uh-huh. No, all my points have been taken. Alicia Monson's a beast. To your point, Mike, about seeing all these these people we followed in college out there, it, not just the people, but like the rivalries are still the same, right? Because Kaladi was sitting on her the whole time, and, and Monson was just um, was able to take it through. But it, it's cool to see that rivalry live on um, on running. Big day for those guys, and I'm sure we'll talk more about they it. They won the meet. Yeah, they won the meet. On that, let's move hey, on. On that, oh, on oh, on. Oh, oh. Why don't, we, why don't we move on to the men's 3K, which I'm going to say up front was the best race of the day. It was the best race of the day. And as a <laughs> well-noted critic of the Oregon duo, I don't even want to say critic. I just feel like for whatever reason, we've ended up on the side of like trashing on you know the Hawker tier combo. We've tried to bring them down to earth a little bit. And to see the race unfold the way that it did where those two kind of have the race locked up. They're coming to the final turn. It's just like the good old days when they're wearing their green and yellow coming down the home stretch. Cooper's looking over both shoulders to make sure he's got the win. And then, you know, friend of the program, uh, Jordy Beamish, some might, some, a lot of people forget that he's a friend of the program comes burning by them takes the win does the victory lap just i don't know something about it warmed my heart a little bit that unbelievable was... race eighth place uh eighth or ninth place going into the last 400 meters he he led most of the race out early um eighth place 400 meters to go slowly working his way up um couple couple notes here um beamish He's always, to me, he's always kind of looked like a kind of, um, I don't know, like scrawny, kind of like fragile runner. The dude looked like Joe Klecker out there. I don't know, like in the sense where he looked like he's been putting on muscle. He looked built. He looked like, he just looked like a better, I don't know how else to describe it. The dude looked like a brick shit house out there. I don't know. And I think that's easy to say when you stand next to a bunch of tiny runners but the dude looked like a just looked like a better athlete he looked more confident he ran a phenomenal race from start to finish one note on the finish here now i know i get the strategy if you're in the lead bleeding out into lane two to uh to come down the finish but in a 3k race 
on a short track, on an indoor track, I would argue that that's not necessarily in your best interest. Like he just kind of opened up the door. Sure, he's maybe he's maybe controlling Hawker's kick a little bit, but he just opened up the door for Beamish to just squeeze in and take that. Whereas if like I think if I think if he stays, I think if he stays in lane one, I think he wins that race. Um, but just kind of a, a thought there where it's like I don't know if you're if you're dying. I don't know if it makes sense. And it wasn't like he bled into lane two just a little bit. It wasn't like he went on the line and and blocked off lane two. He like went into lane two, almost to lane three, and just completely opened the door. So I don't know. Just kind of a thought there, Steve. I don't think there's any question about it. If he doesn't bleed over into lane two and three, I don't think there's any chance Beamish goes around him because Beamish would have had to have gone around Tier and Hawker, and that's going to add you know, a ton of distance on that last 50 meter stretch there. Beamish, and he said it in the interview that he saw it coming. Like he saw Tier was looking over his right, trying to find Hawker. And he knew that he was going to be just worried about Hawker. And he just totally, like, obviously the, the physical part there uh, to win the race, but he outwitted them. And I loved it. That move where you slide out into lane three, I get it. It sounds strategy, but I never like watching, you know, somebody that's in front, kind of preventing somebody else who's like just giving everything they possibly have to make the last, you know, gasp effort of getting to the front and all of a sudden they're getting caught and they're having to like stutter their, their steps. Like I'm not hating on the people that do it cause it's sound strategy, but I love, it's like a backdoor cut in basketball or something like that, or just like the play action to take the, the blitzers that are all like way over committing to it to just like catch him with his pants down like that was it was, yeah, it was unforgettable. I've never seen a finish like that. And I can't remember any track race that finished like that. It was, it was really impressive racing. And, and you get an all-time finish, you get an all-time image at the finish line where, where, uh, where Tier starts putting his hands out to celebrate, but as he's doing it, he, he realized that he's losing. And so, and so Beamish has his hands out and then, and then Tier's behind him with his hands out with like a, with like a puzzled look on his face. Just an all-time image at the finish line. It sounds weird to say because track, especially like the distance running aspects, like being a rookie, it's kind of like weird because you're coming from the NCAA racing against a lot of the same guys at these like high-stake meets, but it just felt like a rookie mistake. You know what I mean? Like one of the first big meets as like a professional rookie, and it just felt like a rookie mistake. And, you know – Again, we give these guys a lot of hard times. These guys are going to grow on us. They're going to be around for a very long time, so we better hop on the bandwagon soon. But it just, you know, when stuff like that happens, it's it's tough in our position not to to call it out, you know what I mean? And I just, to, to talk about, like, rookies too, I just wanted to point out, like, kind of what I was saying with the young talent we have in the sport right now, especially on the distance side. First place is second year out of college. Second place is a rookie. Third year is a rookie. Fourth place is a rookie. Fifth place is a rookie. Seventh place is a rookie. So, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Like six of the top seven, you either have you have one guy who's a second year and you have five guys who are rookies. I mean, that's, and, that's and a, a good couple, look for distance. And, and I mean, on, on Athletic Club is, is one of these teams that has re- – I mean, they're – I mean, they're a new team to the scene, but they've been dominant since day one, and they're they're one of the more exciting teams in the sport right now, one of the more dominant teams in the sport right now. If I asked you a couple weeks ago, 
by far who's the weakest member of that team, we all would have said Beamish. And if a, a guy that we said, would have said that about a couple weeks ago is running that kind of race, this team is intimidating. This is a, this is a badass team. And you talk about youth, like there's, yeah, they have all the youth in the world. They're going to be, they're setting themselves up to be good for a very, very long time. Yeah. All right, Mike, why don't we move on to the women's 800 before we get into the Wanamaker mile. Women's 800, yeah. So I think it's we've almost like recycled takes at this point with the women's 800. Um, I think, what was this, like, Aji has some, like, record. What is this, like, her eighth or ninth straight victory at this meet? Um I mean, we know Aji is a beast. She has been around, like I said, for nine years winning this meet. We come back to the same thing, right? It's like, I cannot wait for Aji to have her moment when the chips are on the table. Because we know how good she is. We know that, you know, she, when she's at her best, she can't be beat but I'm ready for it not to be nine Milrose games in a row. I'm ready for it to be gold medal. Cause that's what she's capable of. Yeah. Just, yeah, that, that's kind of what I had down dominating performance from, from Aji Wilson. Um, you know, you saw a, a thing, Mo not have a great day out there in another event. Um, Raven Rogers have a, have a, not a great day out there in another event. Uh, you know, and then, you know, you get Aji Wilson go out there in her main event and, and dominate for, several years in a row. I mean, it's, yeah, she's, I, I hope, I, I mean, I hope she's able to, to, to hang on at this level for another couple of years and we get to see her make another run at the Olympics. Cause I like watching her run. I, 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 when she's running well, she is very fun to watch because she's, she's somebody that's not afraid to go to the front. She's not somebody that like, she, she doesn't mind running wire to wire. She's a, she's a tough runner. Yeah, it's it a good reminder of how just deep the 800 field is all around for Americans. Like we already talked about Hopple and Brazier, and there's some other studs in there. And, and Mo is obviously uh, somebody that we've all fallen in love with after the Olympics. But to see Wilson back on her A game, it'd be great to see uh, the two of them going at it and, and maybe a little Rogers and, and a couple other people uh, battling out as well. That's a good point. I mean, this is like the very first time. So I'm not ready to even remotely put it towards the. Uh the scale of what we talked about with Brazier and Hopple, but come on. I want to see Rogers and Mo and Aji duking it out again. I'm not going to, you know, get too critical of it here because it's not, it hasn't become a pattern yet, but if that becomes a pattern where Aji and Mo keep, you know, avoiding each other, then that will piss me off too. So I'm on the watch. I'm on the watch with a lot of, I'm on the, the, the bing bong watch. I'm on the, uh, do I, <laughs> how do I actually feel about Donovan Brazier watch? And uh, now I'm on the Armo and Aji, uh, you know, avoiding each other watch. you suspect. Yeah. A lot of the suspects. All right. Let's woman. Let's move on to the woman's mile. Women's Wanamaker mile. I love, I love a mile and, or just like having a name of, of a, a specific event in a race. I think a Stanley cup S trophy for an event is, 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 I mean, it's second to having a championship belt, of course, but I mean, the Wanamaker mile is just, 
it's one of the best events in the sport. It is. And I mean, what at, at this point, at this point, what can we say about El Perrier that hasn't already been said? I just like, you, I want to come out here and I want to say these great things and I want to talk about a race and I want to, you know, break down how many, but just like, what can I say that we haven't already said? Like what original take at this point do the two of you have that we haven't already said about this girl? I don't well, have I any don't. original takes. So I got nothing. Yeah. I got a, I got a couple other takes on the race that I, I, I want to say here. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing but just, I think that, you know, I think it's the rest of the field's got to their, tip their hat to, uh, to L and uh, just recognize that she's a, she's a beast. And, you know, I mean, did, we won't talk about where she grew up or, you know, what she grew up doing or what her family does or anything like that. But I got a couple notes from the race. Um, Josette Norris uh, wearing the whoop heart rate monitor. Awesome. Love I the need, heart rate. Love I the need, I, I need this. I need every athlete to have this. I need this in every sport. This was, this was a, an amazing addition. I need, I need this. I need this in every single event. This is awesome. This is gonna. This is something that they need in golf. This is something they need in baseball. It's something they need to put on quarterbacks. I need to know the heart rate of every athlete on the on the playing field at all times. I love this idea. Idea. I need more of it. So that that's my that's my first take. Um, second take. All time. All time. Bad pacing job. From the pacer, uh, I think it was Lipsy. I think her, her name was Lipsy. Um, out to a hot start, ran ahead of the field for her entire time pacing. Just, just you know, off pace, just not helping the field at all. And when it came time for her to break off, she didn't go step off to the right of the track. She went to the inside and she kind of like walked off the inside of the track and slowed down the leaders. Just an all-time bad pacing job in this race. Steve, you, you, you hit on you, – you hit the nail on the head both those takes. The whoop was amazing. Love that. And then Perrier had to, like, stutter her step there. She, she yeah, almost, like, she almost tripped over. It's like, it was ridiculous. Up, why, why are you going – why are you stepping off on the inside of the track on the turn? Every – the pacers, you got you to gotta, you gotta go off to the right, like – don't do not do not try to step over the rail. Do not slow down. You have to run your fastest when you're getting out of the way of the runners in that race. It's like just an absolutely pathetic pacing job all the way around. We like I feel like I need to know the story. We need some investigator. Can we get her on the podcast honestly? Because like I want to know was that her, her first pacing job? Well, I just want like was that her first pacing no. job? Was she nervous? Like. I'll tell what, you what happens. What, what happens? Like, how does I'll that happen? What, I'll tell you what happens is oftentimes they take athletes and they, they put from, from shorter events, right? And I think that's what happened with this. They, like, take, they take athletes from, like, the 400 or the 800. They're kind of like a sprinter hybrid, and they put them in these events because it's like, oh, you can run this pace with ease for half the race. But what happens when you do that is they have no idea how to run a mile in the way that the elites, uh, the, the top runners want to run a mile. You have, you have them doing their best to guess at, you know, trying to get this pace. You have to take, you have to take runners 
from that event, not have them bump them up because they know, because they, they have the ability to run that pace. You know what I mean? According to worldathletics.org, she is the, uh, one of the current world record holders in the four by eight. So I don't know. Uh, she's, she's run some eight hundreds in her life, a little different on the relay, but I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, Interesting. my only other takeaway from that race, did anybody think at about the 800 meter or a thousand that Mo had a shot at it? She ended up dropping out, but at 800, she was right in the mix and she looked pretty good for a second. I was like, is there a chance that she could go toe to toe with Perrier here? I mean, I would have, if I had the opportunity, I would have bet on her to win that race before the race. Yeah, I was going to say, if Mo's in a race, like, I just kind of assume that she's probably going to win. So, and to be honest, like, I wonder how much, you know, her bumping up here and, you know, obviously she dropped out, but it would be interesting to see her bump up, you know, maybe a little bit later in her career and see what she can oh, do in, in the mile in the 1500. Yeah. She'll be back in the 1500. There's no doubt yeah. about it. I think As, you could argue that her skill set is more, uh, lends more to the, um, 815 than it does to the four 800. I know she ran the four at a very high level in college, but I think that actually the further she bumps up, the better she's going to be. Yeah. Just based on her strength alone. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think if she can figure it out, she could be was, unbelievable at that event. And she will, she will. Yeah, obviously a little premature, but just even seeing her in the field had me thinking, like, is this someone that could be a real threat to be, you know, a, a multi-champion uh, at a, an Olympic event or a world championship? Like, I think she has that talent that she can go out and compete for a gold medal in 800 and eventually in the 1500 as well. All right, Mike, why don't we talk about men's. the men's Wanamaker Mile? Men's Wanamaker Mile. All right, so a lot to break down here, uh, a lot of storylines. Uh, but before we, like, actually break down the race, my first take that I need to get in there before I need you guys, um, you kind of mentioned the Stanley Cup trophy, the, the post-race interview with Ollie just, like, hugging the trophy with two arms, this obnoxiously huge trophy, like, pressed up against his face. And he, the thing is, like, he didn't make any jokes. Like, he wasn't, like, his goofy self. But I know in his mind, like, his serious interview, like, that was part of the joke because he's doing this serious interview while he's, you know, has both arms wrapped tightly around this massive interview. I couldn't stop laughing at, like, a not funny interview the entire time I watched. I just, I love Ollie so much. Everything he does makes me laugh. And I just have to assume that, like, the way he was holding that trophy was very intentional to be funny. And, and you know, the entire time he's just like, I know that the entire world thinks I'm a goof, but my boys at Wisconsin and my on-athletic yeah. club boys are going to think this is hilarious. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing it. You know what I mean? I, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I agree. Um, I, I mean, there's a, like you said, there's a lot of storylines here. Uh, you know, I just want to start off by saying, like, going into the last 400, seeing uh, Ollie Kerr, angles you know in the lead there it's it, i mean you know name name two bigger like name three bigger two crew guys than than that right there so it's pretty cool to see that crew up front just competing um i mean kerr ran a great race it, it just wasn't his day i mean uh kerr and ollie are two of the best runners in the world right now and uh, you know ollie was able to to nip them but it was a valiant effort by by kerr um 
yeah, I mean, I don't know what what else to say about that. I mean, it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch. The a storyline that I just like secret. I mean, it's not under the radar here, but under the radar everywhere else in the world is Sam Prakel finishing like between fourth to sixth in every single race he ever runs. Yeah. Like I can't remember the last time like he's won a race, but he is right there, like right behind the podium in every like to the point that I am starting to believe like he's going to make the Olympic team. You can't just like hover around that area for that long and just so consistently never blow up, never have a bad race, just be right there. Like, I feel like it's just all going to pan out for him. I'm calling my shot right now. Sam Prakel is going to make the, 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 the Olympic team. Whoa. You heard it here first. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Whoa. That is Put a that on a quote card. Put that on a quote card. He, Trent. He deserves it. He shows up like every race. I swear, every big invitational, he's there. And like you said, like he's in that four to six. I'm not willing to make that same prediction that you just made, but I can guarantee that he'll be in the mix in the finals uh, at the next Olympic trials. And then I'll maybe won't take him for the top three. But uh, (laughs) shout out to Ollie Hoare for having a higher heart rate than Josette Norris. I was following that whoop and Ollie's heart rate. The announcers were saying, he's like, his heart rate can't get any higher than that. He had like 600 to go. Like, the guy is a beast. And, or maybe his whoop didn't work right. But I was impressed with that. Um, oh, and then we got to talk about Nick Willis, I'm sure, at the end of this. Well, so we can save that. But that was the other kind of shout-out that needed to happen. Mike, on, the, on this prediction game, I'm, going to, I'm not going to predict he's going to make the Olympic team. But tough day for our boy Henry Wynn, right? Tough day. Between now and the next Olympics, I'm predicting that Henry Wynn will have like a, a, a career-defining race where he pops, right? I feel like Henry Wynn's one of those guys where it's all or nothing. He's either going to be in the mix, have a good day, or he is dead last. That's I am, he is going to have a race where he shocks the world and he pops one day. And I, I'm not saying it's going to be at the trials, but I think that at some point between now and the next Olympics – we're going to be like, God, our guy, Henry Wynn, had his day, had his, had his day in the sun today, and I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that he, he, he popped, you know, um, because I don't, think that, I, don't, I don't think that his race was an indication of his, his ability or where his career is going. Yeah, it, Sam and Henry could not be more polar opposites, right? Like Henry is complete boom or bust. He is, you know, just like – on any given day could blow up and not have a great race, but could also like, you know, run an American record. Like he, he's just boomer bust where Sam is just like Mr. Consistency and is going to be like right in the mix. You know, Henry is like the, the GME Dogecoin to like <laughs> Sam Prakel. I don't know. What, the S and P 500. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, which is funny because S and P, Sam Prakel, that's new that's nickname. Good. The S and P, I love S and P, the S and P five hundred. I love that. Oh my god, I love that. That's so a much. great nickname. That is a great nickname. We gotta let him know about it. Let's have him on the podcast next week. <laughs> He'd come back. He liked us. Yeah. Uh, Craig, Nick oh, Willis. Do you want to talk about Craig real quick? Well, yeah. Let's get uh, to talk about Craig. Go for let's it. Go, Craig. Go, no. Yeah, go for it. I'm worried about Craig. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I worry. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. 
Word. Trent? I, I didn't have that reaction coming out of it. I think Craig has been on a bit of a you know self-reflective journey trying to figure out what was next. There was a decent shot that he was going to retire or he was just not going to take it seriously. And then we have recent announcements that he's back and he's got this you know, mega deal with Nike to stick around. And he was there. I mean, there's some fast times that got run today, like Ollie Hoare and Josh Kerr and him up front. And Kerr and Hoare, you know, held on for strong finishes, and he didn't have that last kick in him. That last 300 meters um, is probably when he fell back. But he put himself in the mix. The guy hasn't been totally focused on track and field in these last, you know, six months or, um, I don't know, even longer than that, I guess, at this point. So I walked away thinking, good to see Craig kind of battling. He's not – he hasn't kind of showed us or we can't expect him to be competing for, you know, W's at big events at this point. But the fact that he kind of put himself in the mix um, and was right up there with, you know, tossing bows with, with Corin Kerr, who ran outstanding races, I, I walked away feeling pretty good about it. Trent, I have a very similar reaction to this race than you did. I was mentally in a place to be like worried about Craig after this race, like, because for all the reasons you just listed, like we didn't know if he was even going to run again up until uh, a month ago. Um, but to see him in the mix with 400 to go, you know, was what I needed to see. I needed to see him in the mix competing, even though it didn't end the way he wanted to. I wanted to see him in the mix late in the race. And let's face it, Josh and Ollie are among the best milers in the world right now um they're up there they're tier 1a milers right now um and you know to you know to go after them and and not be able to hang hang with them in the last lap i you can't necessarily fault him for that um you know when it comes down to the trials he doesn't need to race either one of those guys so um so he can't you know can't can't look at it like that yeah i i just i just wanted to see some competitiveness out of him and i wanted to see him to be there when when he needed to be and you know he he went with him and he he couldn't hang with the best in the world right now doesn't mean he's 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 fallen off so let's not let's not press the panic button all right, you guys made me feel a little bit. So I guess I had like a backwards and probably wrong thought process. To me, it was like he was kind of lost. And there was that time period was I was worried about Craig. He wasn't running super fast. He didn't seem super focused. And to me, my thought process was like, all right, he is back. He's committed. He signed this contract. Like he's going to be back all in. And we're going to, you know what I mean? Like it, it's time to get back to the old Craig. So in my brain, it was like I was going to see him competing at the end there but you're probably right that's the wrong way to think of it and this is like the start of the rebuild it's not the refocus just begun it exactly. he can't come out of the gate so all right that's fair that's fair you talked you talked me out of it I, I i i can live with that um uh clayton murphy stinks but, uh <laughs> let's talk about nick willis um <laughs> nick willis I love Nick Willis and I love the the sub four storyline. It's the best. He could probably do it for like we're gonna talk about this guy at some point in this podcast, I'm sure. But like, you know, when people like rattle off the crazy like Tom Brady stats of like, you know, 
whatever he the three hall of fame careers all in one whatever like when you go through those like crazy tom brady stuff to me like nick willis's mile stat is one of those like mind-blowing like holy shit and he could probably continue it if i could give nick my advice i'd say dude you you're another two years away from the olympics do you really want to do this do you really want to hang on to this for another two years to try again at the olympics like how long how much longer can he can he keep this up should i'm sure he can keep it up for a long time but how much longer should he keep it up mike i have it written down in my notebook uh michigan men they uh michigan, yeah there's something something in the in the water at uh at the university of michigan where these you know these these guys can hang on into their 40s yeah i agree this is this is one of the most impressive stats in the sport being able to run i mean it wasn't too long ago where a sub four mile was, was almost like unthinkable. Like it was like, if you run a sub four mile, you're one of the best runners in the country. Now the sport has progressed and it happens all the time now. But when Nick Willis started running sub four minute mile, it was, it was considered that it was considered unbelievable to run a sub four minute mile and to be able to hang on to it for 20 years in a row. It's it's pretty incredible. And I, I and, and you know, this guy, he's getting the praise he deserves. I think uh, this is, this is a storyline in the sport. And I, I think it's, it's an appropriate amount of praise. You know what I mean? Like if this was something where, you know, he wasn't getting the credit he deserved, I'd be standing on a rooftop being like, everybody pay attention to this storyline. It, it, it's just as big of a storyline as, you know, Ollie Hoare, taking home the the Wanamaker cup. Right. I mean, so I'm happy he's getting it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. Mike, we just had a podcast where we talked about any moment now could be like the last race you ever win. Right. Like that, how once it's gone, it's gone. So if he can still do it, Nick, go, go still do it. Like you're just going out there for yourself. You're not racing anybody else at this point. You're racing yourself to go sub four. Uh, I mean, it's in the best way possible, but, he looks old. He's got gray in hair. He's uh, got silver fox hair. That's like, kind of what I mean. Like 20 is a just, nice round number. It's a nice round number. But and that happened recently. He didn't. It, it, yeah. I remember. I remember. I, I, I remember seeing him at the uh, the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix a couple years ago, and he didn't look that old. But seeing him on TV, he looked old. <laughs> and and so have that that silver fox you know rubbing elbows with these young kids that we all said like a year or two out of college it's like twice the age of a lot of these guys like it's kind of insane hold on nick you're a professional runner getting flown out to do all these races across the world you get to come to new york city do milrose and in the snowstorm we couldn't hear enough about so i don't see any reason why you wouldn't and well i mean obviously there's a reason why i wouldn't because what he's doing is an incredible physical feat. Everybody is, is giving somebody else right now, you know, the credit for what it takes to maintain your body at a professional level uh, to do this year over year. I mean, I would argue that distance running is like maybe one of the, the hardest sports to maintain your body at such an elite level year after year after year. I mean, look at us. It's only been like a few years, but you take a couple months off and it, it takes us years to get it back. So to have that consistency as a distance runner to do this for this long. Um, yeah, I, I just, I agree with both of your points and, and I couldn't be more happy and excited for Nick. Well, I guess on that, on that point, 
that's all I got for the Melrose games. Boys, you guys have anything else for the Melrose games? I think talking about a uh, an old guy on the back half of his career hanging on for dear life, doing things, you know, with his body athletically that seems, you know, unfathomable. It's probably a good a good place to stop, I would say. Yeah, let's 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 wrap up the running news. That's all I got for the running news. All right, boys. And so, and, and I, and, and I know that there's going to be people that turn off the podcast at this point. And to be honest, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, there, there's only a, there's only a, a portion, there's only a por- portion of our audience that is going to be interested in the back end of our podcast, but the people that have been listening, and I tweeted this out the other day, the people that have been listening since early on, since, since those early days of the podcast know that our podcast was built around three things. It was talking about running and trying to build the sport of running. That's number one. Number two is enjoying a cold Miller light with your buddies. And number three was Thomas Brady. Um, (laughs) Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. (laughs) I almost mixed up. I mixed up. I I was like, I was like going to mix up his two middle names, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. um, TB 12. Those are the three things that this podcast revolved around. And, and, and it has pretty much revolved around those three things for 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 most of this podcast life. And uh, uh, Tom Brady has retired, and there's a couple different ways we can we can go with this. But I will say this: let me. I'm going to start off the conversation with this. This man has been an important part of my life since I was 12 years old. I uh, 22 years later, this guy has 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 played an extremely important role in my life. Just, uh, just with all the memories, all the excitement. And I know that sounds super corny and and super weird to say, but as a 12 year old, as a 13 year old, there was nothing in my life more important than a Sunday Patriots game and watching the Patriots and watching Tom Brady play. And so be able to watch him when I was a kid into my adult life and all the memories, all the great, the, some of the best, nights some of the best days of my life revolved around this magic that this man used to create on the football field it's it's you know it's it's a sad day it's it's a it's it's kind of like a it's a it's a weird day and we can celebrate it um you know there's there's some controversy going around right now which we can talk about if we want but i you know i think that what tom brady has taught me and this is a guy that coming out of college into the pros he was not the most uh, a sought after athlete. He didn't have the physical attributes, but the thing that he did better than anybody else on the football field was he had incredible mental toughness, the mental side of his game, his, his attitude when the, when the chips were down, his mental preparation, his mental side of the game was by far better than anybody else. And because of that, his mental toughness has catapulted him into the greatest football player of all time, arguably the greatest athlete of all time. And as athletes, that's something we can all learn from is that if you're a football player, if you're a runner, mental toughness is the one thing that you have full and complete and total control over. You can't always control your physical athletic ability. Um, You can make the most of it, but you can't all, you can't control it in comparison to other people. You can control your mental mindset. And that's what Tom Brady has taught me. It's that as an athlete, the only thing you have full control over is your mental side of the game. And if you, if you make the most of it, you can, you can 
catapult yourself to the greatest of all time. Steve, I got a, a little bit of a chuckle out of you uh, trying to frame me as like, you know, as a 10-year-old kid, the most important thing in your life is, you know, watching Tom Brady on set. Come on. As a, as a 27, 28-year-old, well into your 30s, watching Tom Brady on Sunday is still one of the most important oh. things in your life. I mean, Sunday is, I mean, it's, it's a, a full, you know, roll out the right carpet. Every time he took the field, it was an event for us. It was a huge deal. Yeah. For 20 years. Yeah. No, I, and, and uh, I, I was, I was talking with Trent uh, last week about this and, um, you know, and when he left the Patriots, it didn't become as important as, as important. It wouldn't, it was less of like a social family thing. I mean, when he was in a big game, it was like a, a social thing. We have a party every time. I still watch him every time. Um, but uh, his last playoff, his last game as, as, as a, as a Buccaneer, as a football player, um, the second half of the game, I need to get a run in. So I went to the gym and I watched the, the game on the treadmill and I just said, as long as Tom Brady still has a shot in this game, I'm not getting off this treadmill. And they were down big. He came back. I think they were 26 to three, almost won the game. I ended up running almost 16 miles. Like, and so I, I can look back like every single big game this man has been in, it has been an appointment viewing important part of my life. I think one of the main reasons why it still was important for us and still was appointment viewing was because we all were in that kind of prime childhood years where, I mean, every, every kid that likes sports when you're between, you know, nine and 13 or something like sports is life for you, right? Like it was just live and die. And everyone else in our age, their favorite athletes as a kid has long since retired and been gone or has totally washed up. Right. We had this like connection to our childhood when it was kind of absolutely everything to us that still existed. And I, I was explaining this the other day to somebody when I was talking about like how important Tom Brady, you know, is for me personally. And I know for you guys too, like he is like the last part of like, you know, 12 year old Trent or 13 year old Trent that would, like you guys said, get excited for every Sunday. And like, when my parents make me go to bed, I'd steal the radio and have it in my, you know, my, my bed for Sunday night games so I could hear it. Uh, Cause you couldn't miss a second. And that like, part of our lives is now you know not going to be there and we're not going to be able to kind of like see Brady. even when he went to the bucks i mean it, it took a few weeks and then it was fine like like you know not fine but i was back and it was like watching tom brady almost like watching tom brady play when i was younger like i was still there totally because of how important he was so uh it's just it's something special that people in our age group got to connect with Tom Brady that I'm not sure anyone else could ever really experience. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some other athletes in some different sports that have that longevity, like a Tiger Woods or something who did it pretty long or LeBron's doing it pretty long, but nobody like, nobody like Tom Brady, you know? And not for 20 I, years for one team. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's a, it's weird. It, it's a, the whole, I mean, the last couple of years have been weird as a Patriots fan, as, as a fan of Tom Brady. But I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I'm almost a little bit relieved because obviously when Tom left the Patriots, it was devastating and confusing and strange and didn't feel right. But there's, 
I was a Patriots fan first. But and I wasn't one of those fans who was like, oh, I'm rooting for Tom Brady no matter what. Like I'm a Bucks fan. But like there was still a part of me that like I had spent 20 years of my life trying to defend the legacy of Tom Brady and him going to another team and winning a Super Bowl. I mean, if it wasn't gonna be a Patriots Super Bowl, him going to another team and winning a Super Bowl only back to the argument that I had been making for 20 years, right? So it was a small piece of me that was still like really happy when he won because it 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 was you know uh validation of what i had been screaming about for for 20 years and i you know defending the wall and and telling everybody how great this guy was it's like look now you get to see how great he is because he's, it's not just the patriots so there was that that was like kind of the last chapter for me i needed to see that part of me was almost like grateful he went off to another team and did that just to like, that was like the final chapter for me this year was a little bit weird. Cause it was like, all right, you did that. You like proved you can do it on your own. Now it's just like painful watching you still be an MVP candidate at 44 years old, be down 26 to three for the box and almost coming back and winning it. So for me, it's almost like I'm kind of relieved because I was at the point where I was like, he proved everything he needed to prove for me. And the longer he stayed as a buck and kept winning as a buck, it started cementing his legacy as a buck. I wanted to see him win, prove his point, And it's like, all right, now, now I just, I, I, I need, I need that to go away so I can just remember Tom Brady as a Patriot and make sure that like those 20 years is like what he's remembered for. Not like the five Super Bowls that he goes and went with the buck. Cause let's be honest, if he, wanted to keep playing he probably could and i think he probably has another super bowl in him so there's there is a small part of me that's relieved yeah i mean he 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 went out he went out on top and i i do think we need to bring up the the current controversy with the yeah. with the statement and and listen i have my thoughts on this and if i'm being completely honest i've gone back and forth on it multiple times and uh, I, I'm probably I feel a certain way about it right now. I might feel a certain way. Of, I might feel differently about it tomorrow. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I'll, I'll start. I'll kick it off by saying my thoughts on the matter. So for for people that don't know, he did the retirement post and he didn't say anything about uh, the Patriots ownership, Patriots coaches, or the Patriots fans. He just all bucks things. My thoughts are he that was his announcement of retirement from his current employer. And uh, it was leaked. Schefter leaked it and he needed to get out in front of it. So he just needed to post something. He was on vacation. So he kind of, it was kind of, I feel like it was kind of rushed and it wasn't the way he wanted to do it, but whatever. I mean, you could, you could make the argument that everything this guy does is calculated and it was a calculated thing. My mindset is there's probably been a hundred times, if not more, over the past 22 years where I have made a deal with myself, God, and Tom Brady where it's like, if this guy can just make this play, he can never do wrong in my eyes ever again. And probably out of those 100 times, let's say 92 of those times, he came through for me, right? And there was just a couple of times where it didn't, but most of the time, this guy came through for me. So what I'm trying to say is, this guy owes me and Patriots Nation absolutely nothing he owes me nothing he's given me 
everything. And if if he wants to be a little petty or whatever in the retirement, he has earned that right. I don't care anymore. And well, I won't say I don't care, but I'm going to look the other way. Does that make sense? I agree, Steve. I think that makes total sense. I was going to say the same thing you just said. Tom Brady doesn't know me or any of New England Patriots fans out there. He doesn't know us anything. I also think this is not like the only thing that's going to come out announcing his retirement, right? One Instagram post, you know, this is Tom Brady. We've been watching documentaries about him pop up every year now, or every six months is a new one coming out and, and different things on different platforms. Tom Brady's going to have more to say. There's going to be more that will come out. I'm sure of it. And there'll be some mention of Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick and Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski and Joy Brown. And the list goes on and on and on and on and Josh McDaniels and on and Patriots nation. And I'm not going to waste my time getting fired up about the wording of the Instagram post. It just isn't worth it to me. So now I'm, I'm excited right now because I feel like I know Mike well enough to, to be able to read him. And I think we're going to get something juicy here. I don't, I don't know if you're going to get anything juicy. I, to be honest, it's like, I don't know if I fully processed it yet. Um, Right off the bat, my thoughts on it are the fact that in his retirement post, he didn't mention the New England Patriots one time is weird. It's weird and strange and calculated and kind of, it kind of stings a little bit. Um, but what I've been trying to do is like everybody's getting caught up in the madness of this post. And I'm like trying to separate the, the reason I don't have like a fully formulated take yet is because I'm trying to separate myself from it. Cause it's like, it's all for me. It's like, I've been thinking about this moment for a long time and it's like taking away from a Tom Brady retirement for me. Like this is supposed to be like a celebratory, like I want to like watch every single Tom Brady documentary over and over and over again. I want to see the highlights. I want to hear people talk about their stats. I was talking about like, I want this to be a celebration of Tom Brady. And instead we've spent the last three days nonstop talking about the stupid post and who he thanked and who he didn't thank. And it's like, that sucks. Like it, it the, the narrative has changed from like, praising tom brady to like does tom brady hate new england and hate every single new england fan and like thinks they're all trash and it's like it it that's i'm not like hurt by him not saying it i'm more like it's tainted the retirement for me and that bothers me like this should be more of a joyous moment and i guess I I choose not to believe. I choose not to believe. Because there's no way. Like, right, like people proofread Tom's stuff. And I'm sure he didn't even write it. He probably said what he wanted to write on that post. But, like, people see that. And he's had 22 years to figure out how he's going to retire. And I know it was forced. There's no way that he just decided I am not, like, he let me put it this way. He knows that there was no mention of the New England Patriots in that post, and I choose not to believe 
that that's how he feels. I choose that because there's no way that he doesn't appreciate. You say like Tom Brady doesn't owe me anything. You're right. He doesn't owe me anything. But at the very least, I hope he knows like how beloved he is here. You know what I mean? I hope he knows how like much New England loves this guy and how much of a legend he he is New England. Like I guarantee you, like most of the country, most countries doesn't even know what New England is. If you say the words New England, the very first thing that comes to your mind is Tom Brady. So it's like I choose not to believe that he doesn't that he he holds this animosity towards New England Patriots fans. So there's got to be something. I don't know if it's a one day contract. I don't know what it is. So I'm separating myself from the post. I I'm not gonna have an emotional reaction to it. I'm not gonna sit here and like be upset about it. I'm not going to get pulled in the fact that we're even spending this much time talking about it. We're getting pulled into the spiral of like it overshadowing his retirement. And I'm just waiting for the moment when Tom Brady looks me in the eyes and thanks me publicly. Cause I know it's going to come. And then I don't have to worry about it. when that happens, then we can all stop. Hopefully we can pretend like this three, four day stretch of this spiral and whirlwind of bullshit and nonsense never even happens. So my, my, my wife on several occasions yesterday, she's just like, she just, she's just like, Hey, why, why are you in a bad mood? Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And every single time, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. What's wrong? What's wrong? And somewhere like a little bit before we went to bed, she was just like, are you upset about, is this, does this have anything to do with Tom Brady? And I was like, maybe. And, and so I was in a bad mood all yesterday and I've spent all day I spent all day trying to convince myself that Tom Brady doesn't know anything. And after listening to you talk, Mike, I'm sad again. <laughs> it's just like, it, it, it's like, it sucks that we've spent this much time talking about it. And it sucks that like, it would have been the easiest thing in the world. Like all you have to do is right. Like to the, to the fans of, of new England, you know, like, I love you or something like not even just thank you to the fans doing that. And then it would never be a conversation. No one would even think twice about it. And that's why I refuse. Like I just refuse to believe that that's how it's going to be left. And if it is, I'm not going to be somebody who like is spiteful towards Tom Brady. Like I will still be in a, a bar in wherever in America and be screaming at somebody defending Tom Brady to the death. That will never, ever, ever change. I will always, you know, he will always be my guy. But over the last couple of days, it's like, I, I'm, it's, it's just confusing. It's confusing. I wish I it didn't overshadow us. I wish this wasn't the three days after Tom Brady's retirement. Like, why the hell do we need to be talking about this when we should be talking about, like, you know, how many 35 playoff wins and this record and that record? And you know what I mean? Like, you know, like the day after we win a Super Bowl and you just, like, tune into ESPN just to hear everybody, like, talk about how great the Patriots are is like, that should be this like whole month. And instead we're talking about this stupid crap. I agree wholeheartedly with you, Mike. There'll be more. We're not over yet. Let him, let him come back from vacation. Let him, you know, release a, a Tom Brady Facebook video. Give him time. I also agree that it sucks that it was a distraction. Shouldn't have been a distraction. But one thing we've learned from Tom Brady one of many things, you know, Steve brought up something earlier that we learned from Tom Brady. Another thing we've learned from Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Tom Brady is going to be the bigger person in a lot of situations. 
You know, look at the whole Goodell situation. He could have bashed him like crazy and he didn't, right? And even kind of going out in New England, maybe some things leaked, but there was no press conferences complaining about it. First off, if Tom Brady is being petty versus New England, I will learn from Tom Brady and just not let it bother me. But Tom Brady will be the bigger person. He's not going to hold a grudge against all of New England. He's, he's like, he's too smart. He, he, he understands how important or how much he means to us. And we have to mean something to him. So let's just give him a little time. Let's relax. And uh, it'll come. All right. Do you want to know how delusional I am? Let's hear you, want, you want to know what I convince myself of? And I've purposely like shut off all sports radio and stuff like that. Cause I don't want to like hear this conversation anymore. So I apologize if this take is like a stolen or regurgitated take, but I was running with the dog yesterday and this is what I convinced myself of. <laughs> so this big post, Tom Brady retires from Tampa Bay, right? Retires from playing quarterback, retires from the game of football and says, thank you to, to Tampa Bay. Says, thank you to all this, yada, yada, yada. Doesn't mention New England once. Why is that? Why does he retire from the game of football? Why does he thank everybody under the sun except for the New England Patriots? Well, the New England Patriots very recently have an open position at offensive coordinator. No, 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 no. See, I told you I was delusional, but I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm not going to entertain that. He retires from playing the game of football. He retires from the, the, the Tampa Bay, everybody. So... Why wouldn't he mention the Patriots? Mike, Mike, why? Mike, why would Mike. he thank every? Maybe because, maybe because, I'm, I'm just. All I said was no, he thanked not, everybody. He thanked everybody this. under the sun. He thanked everybody under the sun. And very weirdly, a position just became vacant in New England. That's it, coincidence, probably. Yeah, definitely. Actually, just saying. I can't. I can't. Like I. <laughs> Are we doing this right now? No, no, we're not doing it. You may have to cut that. <laughs> not doing that. Hey, come That's, on. Has, has has that take been had yet? I have people been talking it. about that take. Has anybody heard I, that? I take? hope not. I hope up, that take it, hasn't it, been I'll had. I'll tell you this. It came up on uh on Patriots Unfiltered today and everybody screamed at the person. So oh, just, who, 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 did Eric bring it up? No, no, Caller brought it up and oh, Paul Perillo almost <laughs> okay. had aneurysm. So <laughs> the reason it won't happen is because if Tom Brady was willing to dedicate enough of his life and time and away from his family to football, he'd be playing quarterback. That's what it yeah. comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was a fun for the, see for that, like two minutes for that. When I was trying to find the escape from all of this, like nonsense of people like being mad at Tom Brady for that two minutes that I actually believed it, it was, Oh man. My brain, my brain was just going crazy. <laughs> the life of an assistant coach, especially the life of an assistant coach under Belichick, yeah. has to be the most miserable life of all time. You have to love, like you have. Well, now I'm starting to convince myself. <laughs> you have to, you have to love staring at all 22 footage, uh, 20 hours a day, which Tom Brady does like doing. So- Tom Brady could not. He's, deal. He said he said many times that the the easy part is the studying of the game for him. That's the stuff that comes easy. Yeah. 
Don't do that. I can't. I can't. Don't do that. I can't do this. I can't do this. There, can you imagine Tom Brady like trying to coach Mac Jones and how pissed off he'd get <laughs> every play when Mac doesn't make like the perfect read? I don't think Brady could do it. Just at some point, like halfway through the game, you just see the offensive coordinator like starting to put pads on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, he'd be the, the next player coach. He'd be just summon Mac. Mac, you're out. Give me your damn headphones. Guy, your head there everybody thought Mike Vrabel was going to do when he took over as head coach. Yeah. jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, I mean, man. what if it was, what if it even wasn't with the Patriots, right? Like, Byron Lefwich, who was Tom's offensive coordinator, is looking like he's probably going to get a head coaching job. Mike Vrabel, you know, maybe, maybe, who knows? I don't know. Just all right. So, say they have a ceremony at some point in in the near future at Gillette for Tom Brady. I'm dropping all plans and I'm going. I'm just saying that. So, if anybody wants to join, yeah, yeah. hit me up. And we. So, in conclusion, we have to believe that that is in the works, right? Like. To me, I guess that's kind of what I was getting at. It's the only logical conclusion and why I think everyone needs to stop freaking out and ruining this moment is because the only logical conclusion for him omitting us there is not because he's being spiteful. It's because it's setting up for something like that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's – I'm not saying it's going to be a one uh, a contract, whatever. Whatever it is. There's got to be something else, and I'm just gonna hold my judgment until until we get to that until we get to that moment. Mike, can I, never... can I can I play the clip from his press conference after he played in Gillette this past this past I, I year? Would, I would like that. Have you have you heard much. this? Have you heard this recently? Is it the, the one on the field? No, I've heard the one on the field. I don't know if I've heard the. Yeah, my kids were born on Beacon Street yeah. in the city. And... Uh... I don't know what the future holds. You know, obviously there could be an opportunity to come back here. So we'll see. I, I feel like I'll always be a part of this community and um, I'll be, I'll be up here quite a bit when it's all said and done. When I retire, I'm sure there'll be, you know, a lot of time for, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends up here and it's a great place. And again, my kids were born on Beacon street in the city. And um, you know, it's just, it's amazing. been an amazing place for me. It still is. And uh, I obviously see a lot of, uh, familiar friendly faces and uh, it's great to see you guys too but i don't know what the future does that does that make you feel any better well i mean does that sound like a guy who would purposely no say that's thanks? what i'm saying like, uh, that's what just, i'm saying i i refuse to yeah i refuse to believe that that's the last we'll hear from from tom Brady. i refuse to believe it um that was pretty good why don't nice we uh therapy session do, do we need to kick off down the home stretch or was that a collective down the home stretch? No, all right, down the home stretch. All right. All right. All right, Mike, let's, oh. let's, let's kick off down the home stretch. Mike, what do you got for people on the home, down the home stretch? No, wait, what am I saying? Yeah, that's the best. It's okay. We're, we're wrong with it. Oh my goodness. Was like the belt. No, 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 no. Yeah. All right, Mike, uh, let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? I like how you kept the cadence the same. You said, all the same exact words, except for you switched that down. That was good. That, something about that made me happy. Um, we I, we talked a little D2 cross country earlier in the show. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, AIC broke the D2 uh, DMR national record 
I love the DMR. DMR is like the best event in the world. But really what I want to give a shout out to is I don't know if it was their account or a burner account or somebody on the team, but they posted a video of, you know, like memed a bunch of like dudes holding the coffin. The coffin was the uh, Grand Valley State relay team and they're dancing, carrying the coffin. I, I think you posted, Steve. Funniest video ever. I love that pity stuff i love you go out there and you throw down you take a national record i've had my gripes with aic in the past but i have to give them credit that was that was unbelievable it was great trent what do you got for people on the bell app i don't have anything exceptional so i'm gonna i'm gonna pass on it and just say thanks tom brady um go sign up for the irish clover five miler links in our instagram bio Use promo code TB12 for 12% off. Um, I had something else I wanted to say. What was I going to say? No, I forget. All right, boys. On that, I would run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on the vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I don't want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to.